Welcome to Do It For The Gram and Enneagram podcast with your host, Certified Enneagram Coach Milton Stewart, where we do it for the Enneagram, not Instagram. We make moves to improve our lives and those in our community. I have someone really amazing on here that I met years and years ago, and I've actually been kind of keeping tabs on her via like Instagram, seeing what she's doing. And I think she's been keeping tabs on me, seeing what I'm doing. And so it has been amazing because, you know, this series about honoring women in the Enneagram space who are doing incredible work. So I'm really excited to present to you Abby Rodriguez. Can you please introduce yourself? Yeah, well, thank you for having me. Um, so my name is Abby Rodriguez. I'm an Enneagram coach, so certified Enneagram practitioner. And I'm also a certified integrative somatics practitioner. So I really use both of those um, in, in my coaching spaces. I teach a lot with organizations. I don't use somatic work as much in that space. And that's really been taking up a lot of my, my work in this recent season is teaching with organizations and, and larger groups. Um, but I still have some some regular coaching clients that I meet with too. So, and then I came from the higher ed world and that always oddly seems to come up a lot in my work, both in examples, but then also uh, I have a master's in student development theory. And so some of the identity development and some of those integration pieces, they tend to come up too, because it, you know, it all kind of belongs together. So um, yeah, that's a little bit of me. Awesome, let's go intro music. love the Enneagram? Are you serious about growing and being liberated? Do you love to learn and grow in a safe community? Well, my Kaizen Community Enneagram program is perfect for you. I teach 12 weekly classes on Thursday night. I am only taking around 15 people. I would rattle off more details and all the benefits, but I'm pretty sure you would rather read them and get back to this episode. So simply go to kaizen-enneagram-community.mn.co or check out the show notes or find the IG page bio with the link tree or go to kaizencareers.com to find out more information. Learn and grow in safe community with others who love the Enneagram. Sign up while spots are still available. Hope to see you there. All right, so... it's interesting. It seems like your journey right now is actually very similar to my journey right now because I've transitioned to working with quite a few big organizations as well. And I don't have as many like one-on-one coaching clients like I, I did prior. And so I've kind of transitioned to that. So can you can you maybe share how that is going for you and maybe the fruits of like using the Enneagram in groups or organizations? Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, a lot of what I will teach with organizations is is really helping to get them caught up to speed of what is the Enneagram, how do we use this in self-awareness, and then I always talk through one of the triadic groups, so stances, harmonic groups, triads, centers of intelligence, something in that realm, and really with corporate settings, I often talk about stances since it has a lot to do with decision-making, and that tends to be what causes a lot of miscommunication and tension. 
But it's been such a gift, though, to have spaces where I'm teaching workshops because I love that setting. Like, I love teaching workshops, especially with bigger groups where it feels like public speaking. Like, I just... I love that space and I love being in that space. But then part of what I also offer with organizations is follow-up coaching sessions. And so then that has been really fun too, because then it kind of meets both the the teaching space and we're working together and people are having discussions and offering insight in a way that they would have never brought that up just around the lunch, you know, the lunch room or whatever it might be. But then they get a private space too, where they're following up about maybe there was a nuance of something that didn't resonate or something that felt awkward to say out loud that it did resonate, but they want to ask more questions about it. And so then even, you know, it's helpful on their side, but then for me as a practitioner, because I love coaching. And so it takes a lot of energy to, to uh, promote to both the corporate world and to the individual world. And so sometimes I kind of fluctuate to just the corporate side, but then I still get to be in individual spaces with individuals and, you know, their human problems that are coming up, both professional, but also they're humans that go to work. So there's personal things that come up in those coaching spaces too. And so that has been really a sweet spot that I've kind of slowly evolved into, right? It takes a lot of time to refine what your piece of the Enneagram world is, but that's been a real gift in this season to do that with, with organizations and in corporate settings. Yes. And why is it so important that in the corporate setting that they know and understand the Enneagram? Yeah. So, you know, I think sometimes when people are Enneagram practitioners, um, we can get a little bit snobby about the Enneagram of like, it is the only tool that we could use. And the reality is any tool that increases your self-awareness is valuable. This just happens to be the one that I am highly literate in and can teach you about. And so that is the space that I occupy. And so as we think about the Enneagram and, and them knowing more about their type, the invitation is, and even when I start workshop, the invitation is always to be more curious, to as we approach this space, as we come into this session together, to be a little bit more curious about yourself and a little bit more curious about those that are sitting around you. And so if we can do that, if we can kind of take on that humble posture of I'm here to learn, I'm here to wonder and to be a little bit curious, it really in a very disarming way invites them into greater self-awareness. And so if we can begin to ask questions of does that resonate with me? Does that land with me? Is that how other people really experience me? Is that why this happened? It invites us into more curiosity and really for the goal of having more self-awareness. Because if we can't see those things, we cannot do anything about the things that we don't notice. And so starting to have some, some clear language of this is what's happening in that conflict. This is how I communicate. This is why that hurt my feelings so much. So that we can either pause before we react or we can go back and apologize or we can go back and have a conversation with a supervisor about what needs we have and how that's not getting met or whatever it might be. And so really starting with that framework of our goal is to be curious. And the reason for that is because that helps us increase our self-awareness and, and that's our starting point. I love what you just said. Our goal is to be curious. That's like an amazing tagline. Like our goal is to be curious. <laughs> Like, I mean, I mean, yeah. that's like a great tagline, right? Because it does bring us to what you just said, the ability to be humble. And I think in the work that anyone and every single human being on this planet, if we can work on being a little bit more curious, which invites a little bit more humbleness into our own selves, my goodness, how much better the world would be, right? Yeah, So. Right. Yeah. And, and even too, just more compassion, right? So if you're, if you are curious about yourself and coming from that, like learner's mind and that humility, but then also if you approach others with curiosity rather than assumption, 
like just how much better the world would be if rather than assuming I knew what was true about you, I asked a question instead. And I, I leaned into that with curiosity and uh, I'm sorry, I don't know, but here's what's coming up. I wonder if that's true for you. Or I wonder if, you know, this is my experience. What, how does that land for you? What's your experience? And so I think that curiosity is both in this, this, this genuine humility to learn, but it's also an incredible platform for compassion in compassion with others, but also with ourselves, right? I mean, you know this too. So much of our Enneagram work has to be from a place of self-compassion. Otherwise we use our personality to try to fix our personality and that doesn't work, right? It's never worked. It does not work. (laughs) Does not work. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, but yeah, and I think, (laughs) right, we tried, we wrote that book and it didn't go so well. But, um, but yeah, and I just think like curiosity though, and that's, that's the phrase that I will use often. I found it to be so much more disarming because it incites this kind of like, oh, let's wonder for a little bit and let's consider and ruminate and ponder and discuss and not have the answers for a little bit of time so that we can kind of land somewhere that's more concrete. Awesome. Awesome. So I have a I have a question because one of the things that I think is so important for any Enneagram practitioner is the inner work that they do. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to your inner work currently, what is something that you're doing and how is it going? Yeah. You know, in this current season, um, one of the aspects of my type structure that I'm very mindful of that has... Can- can you share your type structure? Oh, yes. Sorry. It's so funny. The more that you're in the Enneagram world, the more I feel like I forget to like, oh, yeah, this is my type. Or even ask people what their type is, um, which my husband was like, you realize you should always do that. Like people want you specifically to know their type. I'm like, oh, crap. So sorry. Um, <laughs> unless we're coaching, right? And I'm good. I need to work with it. But if we're just due to call. Anyway, sorry about that. For all those people that I've not asked your type and you wanted me to tell you. So I lead with type eight and I am a self-preservation eight. And so one of the things um, which shows up with a lot of five tendencies and um, one of the things that has been uh, always obvious, but I'm in this season cognizant of and, and really being mindful of is my instinctual blind spot, which is social. And so, and it's something that I'm always painfully aware of, but I think in this past season of the summer and fall, I just had more and more of an invitation and also felt like I had more practical tools to start working with my social blind spot, really for my work as a somatic practitioner. And so this summer, my husband and I made the decision to move. And so I actually, so I used to be based in Nashville. I'm actually in Ohio now. So I still do a lot of workshops in Nashville. I'm there basically every other week. I'm driving down to Nashville, staying with a friend, so that works out. But but in that, um, having to navigate a lot of different social dynamics that are not easy for me, that social savviness that is common sense for some people is just not common sense for me. Um, I can do the one-on-one space. And I can do the behind the scenes space, but the like working the group and the introduct, you know, introductory walking into a group, it's just hard for me. And so part of that also with my eightness getting thrown into that social blind spot is that at my worst, I will assume other people are leaving me out or at my worst, I will assume it is easier just to go alone. And so as I've been 
mindful of these pieces and really working on it, there's kind of been two parts that have come up. So the first is with moving and starting over, having a new congregation of people um, that we're interacting with. So my husband is a pastor. That was part of what sparked the move is that he accepted a position as a senior minister. And so I'm walking in as pastor wife, which is not my strong suit, (laughs) right? So I got a lot of good pastor's wife skills of like baking cookies and like singing in the church choir, but like remembering people's names and like working (laughs) the crowd is not my strong suit. So one of the things that I do specifically with that is one, I have, um, and this is really based off of the somatic work that I do, is I have a mantra that I repeat in my mind of you belong, you're welcome here. And it's not something I'm trying to convince myself of. It's something I'm trying to remind myself is already true. And so in that, that helps to help me enter into the space knowing that I belong here. Because so much of that social blind spot is just that you um, you don't feel like you belong. Like you don't feel like you fit in here. And then your type might make a lot of reasons why you don't fit in. And then part of that is also that I do grounding exercises, not obvious ones that people are like staring at me and that I really am awkward, but just simple things like taking a longer exhale than my inhale to like calm down my nervous system, wiggling my toes and my shoes to help like feel the full floor and the gravity beneath me. And that has been really helpful and, and just helping to calm down that like, you know, that the parasympathetic nervous system of like, I'm not safe and I'm not okay and I got to get out of here into like, oh, I can be here and I can make chit chat and I can try to find someone that I have something in common with to have more of that like one-to-one connection if that's what is going to make me help, help me stay here. And so that's been a a really big piece of it. So, and then the other part of it has been the like playing nice, you know, the like collaborating, which is not always common for me. And that's like the combination of my type eight structure with my social blind spot. But even in this season, trying to be really intentional about like, where are ways that I can like ask for help or share something with someone that I might, my type eight structure might tell me you can do this better on your own. But I like, let that be balanced out with actually it would be better with others, right? Like actually you could use some help right now. And so even, you know, the, I, I'm still working out of my house, but I need to find a different space because I'm like sitting in our TV room, which is not really my jam. And so <laughs> as I've been looking at her spaces, one of my sister's friends who's in the area, um, she's an intimacy coach. And I know that she's interested in, in getting a, a like shared space. And so I reached out to her of like, hey, would you be interested in, in going in and, and sharing a space together um, if we go and lease another office or whatever? And so that's something that even a couple of years ago would have been really hard for me. It would have felt like, oh, I don't want to share a space. Like my self-pres gets real excessive sometimes. <laughs> yeah. You know, right? It's like, even when you know it, the struggle is just real sometimes. But but being very intentional of like, no, I'm, I'm going to reach out to her and I'm going to see how this lands. And like, and also thinking about the work that she does in the world and wanting to support that. And so anyways, those are just some of the things, but it has a lot to do with my my social blind spot and being intentional about it rather than just making excuses for it. Ooh, that that is so powerful. I don't even know if you you realize how powerful it is to speak to your to your, like your repressed instinct and the work that you're doing on it. And I really do hope a lot of people who are socially blind or that's their repressed instinct that they really listen because you mentioned something to me that was so honest and deep, and I would even say a little bit vulnerable to a, to a degree of like, because of our repressed instinct or our blind instinct, it can literally, if it's social, it makes you feel like I'm not wanted here. Mm-hmm. Like it literally makes you feel like even for a person who that type structure is an eight, mm-hmm. 
And so for like to share that, I think it's beautiful. And I think it's incredible the work you're doing. Mm -hmm. Like that's so like important. And I, I'm just, I love that you brought it out and articulate it because mm -hmm. that's huge. Oh, oh, I, I, that, that, that energizes me because, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm self-pressed dominant. That's where we both like aligned at um the the narrative yeah. uh, thing we went to. it was like it was like oh you do too yes self-pres <laughs> you know um so that was really funny and i know that i'm a little bit my my second two you know my second is social then my lowest one is one-to-one -one, uh sexual so it's super interesting that the flip of it mm -hmm. so i have a question of something you mentioned earlier because you said you also do um somatic work mm -hmm. um with, with clients and so you mentioned like in corporate spaces. I just want to hear this. Have you done anything in corporate spaces close to somatic or breathing things? Or have you like not yet or you had to be very careful because I know how corporate spaces operate right. too. Yeah. You know, so it's interesting. I, I have never overtly offered it, but it comes up often in the question and response. So people will say like, hey, you you mentioned this and like, I feel like I struggle with that all the time and I don't know how to get the inner chatter out of my head or I just circle in loops, right? And my, my coaching response, oftentimes I feel like I use the Enneagram to understand what's happening. And then the response I give back is much more somatic than Enneagram. It's like a, Bingo. oh, yes. Like I get the whole big picture and actually what we need to do is, is X, Y, Z. And so it comes up a lot in the language I use. And I'll caveat and explain, like, in addition to being an Enneagram teacher, I'm also a somatic practitioner. So they understand kind of this lens, but it comes up often. And then if I ever teach with a group that is spiritual, so a worshiping community, they're doing a retreat or whatever it might be, um, then that is always part of what I do because it is helpful in just having a welcoming practice to enter into the space and, and even closing practice to transition back out to the real world. Um, and so, yeah. Ooh, okay. So I, I, I asked that question because that's something that I'm, I'm slightly radical in some of the work that I do sometimes because I'll have like an organization do like a body scan. Yeah, I love it. Uh, meditation. And uh, the first time they do it, because we do multiple days, first time they do it, they're like, what is this guy doing? And why are we sitting here breathing, being still? And, and then by the end, the room is like, I really like that. Like the last day, like, that's pretty good. Yeah. Can you send me something on that? You know? Uh, so I, I, I love that you said that because the somatic piece, and this actually has come up, I'm, I'm be honest, in like most of the interviews I've been doing of people who are doing like real inner work, like somatic pieces come up every single time just about. Because people yeah. are like, you know, like the truth and what we need to work on is so deep in our bodies. Mm -hmm. And so recognizing it is so interesting. And then you said, there was something else you said that, were, that um, stood out to me. You mentioned like working with, with different groups and like sometimes it just comes up. It just like, it just comes up. And it came up for me, I would say almost a year ago to this date that like some somatic things was happening to people in the room because we had went kind of deep, mm -hmm. you know, with, with a pretty corporate company and uh, we went kind of deep and uh, a person, they had like had kind of a, a strong reaction to something else somebody else said to them. And they were like walking out of the room, but I could tell they were in freeze. Mm -hmm. Like they were, they were in freeze. Like when the person said it, the person generally would be like, like they're not got this happy profile, you know, like a happy type, you know, I'm not going to give the type away, but they were frozen. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my goodness, I see it. I see it. I see it. And so eventually that person got up and walked out of the room and I was like, I need to follow them because I understand their type structure and some somatic is going on heavily. Mm -hmm. And 
So I, I went through Marion Gilbert for my somatic work training. And so I went out there because I knew this person type structure. And I was like, they need some attention. The room, they're good right now. I got them doing something. And I walked with that person and they were about to have a panic attack. Mm. And I, be, because I am so thankful, grateful, blessed that I have, have some somatic, because then I hadn't had all the somatic training I have now, but I had enough to help them regulate what was going on in the body and not to have a panic attack mm -hmm. and i was like oh my goodness it worked in my head i was like oh my goodness it worked it worked it worked i'm so glad it been regulated um but it's so powerful it is it's so powerful yeah and even that you know it's interesting you that that uh reaction that you had of like ah it worked because i feel like i have that almost all the time and i thought like why am i always surprised that this works like why am i always surprised and i think there's so much about my type structure that wants things to be concrete like i and my self press mm -hmm. wants a cause and effect and so between that it's like you're i'm just i'm ridiculously practical at times and there are some pieces that it's like no like even at, on my side of it of like you are sensing into what's happening and there is a like a shared like you know um shared synapsis of like we are co-regulating together and i have some sense of what's going on with you because i can feel it in my system and that's really hard to put on paper and that's really hard <laughs> to explain without sounding so woohoo um yes and i think even when you ask like you know doing it in corporate spaces like i think sometimes i'm trying to normalize the enneagram so like to add on somatic stuff and like get full woohoo <laughs> about something like i can't like if you <laughs> come into my space and like we're in a coaching i totally can go there with you i can talk through all the things and I feel I have like a large capacity for your candor about all the things you're into but it's so hard when I'm in a corporate space of like I'm trying to normalize the Enneagram it's a personality system like if you ask me a personal question we'll go way more into that um but anyways I love that reaction of like yeah. it worked it totally worked because I feel that every time too no no I I, <laughs> I definitely agree like bringing in the space you just have to be as a practitioner have to be very careful um very careful because it's it's a tricky space because one thing is also having people understand how do i listen to my body mm -hmm. like we we generally aren't taught that you know mm -hmm. i don't know if you were taught that growing up but i wasn't no no it's so how do how do you know in that space having the capacity and time to like wait let me educate you on how to listen mm -hmm. into your body and then actually doing a practice that does it mm -hmm. so Oh, I'm so glad you said that. That is, I, I resonate with that so deeply. It's ridiculous. So I, <laughs> I love, I love what you're doing. So now I kind of want to switch gears a little bit. I want to talk about, so you have this incredible platform on Instagram and you haven't mentioned it yet. So <laughs> Sorry. can we, no, no, it's, it's all good. No, I, I, I want people to understand because you provide a lot of healthy content in the social media space mm -hmm. for helping people, right? Because there's a lot of content creators. All of them are doing different things. I'll <laughs> leave it there. But I think you're one of the people who are providing like really valuable content. So can you talk about uh, your platform and social media and everything. Yeah, for sure. Um, th thank you for mentioning it. You know, it's amazing that I've made it this far because I'm a terrible salesman. Like I just, <laughs> like anything, I mean, I honestly feel like my self-pres has gotten me where I am because like I can like buckle down and learn all the things I need to learn and like do all of the processes and whatever to like survive. But I have so little ability to sell something. So anyways, um, I have a, I have a, a Enneagram account called 
called Enneagram Space. And I really started it several years ago when I was still working full-time in higher ed. And it was something that I just really enjoyed. I was in the process of, of doing my certification. And, and I planned on doing my certification with the narrative Enneagram really slowly. And so then it kind of just became a space that was like fun for me. It was like fun to sift through and and create content that was things that I was learning, like to teach, you know, as a, a form of learning. But then also um, I, I was slowly having people reach out and saying like, oh, someone said, you know, a lot about the Enneagram. Will you come teach this? It's like, sure. You know, so like once a quarter, someone reach, would reach out. But then when 2020 happened and, you know, the world shut down and had all the, our various different experiences of that, I, I kind of took a look at my job and I thought this is not sustainable for how I want to show up in in my life, like how I want to show up as a mom, as a wife, as um, these different roles and pieces and parts that I play. And um, so I in that process, though, my Enneagram account took off. And it was kind of one of this, you know, the combination of that and then realizing like, oh, I can finish my certification because the narrative went online. And so rather than waiting for them to come back to Nashville once a semester, um, I could actually take my courses, you know, one a month and, and knock them um, knock them all out. You know, it's not that easy. But anyways, I could do, do some of those pieces to become certified. And so in that process, though, my Enneagram account took off and then I had a platform and I had access to actually be able to invite people into um, the things that I was doing. And really in that first year, um, so much of what I was doing was virtual workshops because people weren't meeting in spaces. And so, and in a weird way, because I was not an Enneagram teacher before, having to figure out how to retrofit my workshops, my weekend workshops into what people can handle on a Zoom screen, yep. I was creating them knowing you're going to come and and be on a Zoom screen. And so I would do workshop series that were an hour and a half once a week, almost like a night class. And I had so much success in that and it all came from Instagram. It was people that were curious and wondering and heartbroken and exhausted, right? All these things that were happening in 2020 and yeah. they needed space and support. And, and that was where they found it. And so it's been fun. It has been, it, you know, Instagram's a bit of a hustle as you understand. And so I've, Ooh, yeah. I've had Shout seasons. Out to you. <laughs> Shout out to you because that is not my jam. Yeah. Well, and I've had seasons of it um, being really like successful and seasons where I, I like let it be for a while and and it does its own thing and then I come back to it. And that's okay too, right? I mean, it, it has been helpful in, um, in having a way to connect and a platform to to bring people into the work that I do, but it's also okay for it to, to not be a hustle all the time. So <laughs> seriously, yeah, it is, it is such a hustle and being self-pressed dominant for, this is for me, other people may be very different, but being self-pressed dominant it doesn't do anything for me to like, I don't get, I don't get that energy to be like, Oh, I can't wait to get on here and post something. Mm-hmm. It dra- It's like, I'm like looking at it like, Oh my goodness. <laughs> do I need to prepare content? Really? I have to stay relative, relevant. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. I know. So, so, so that's something that has kind of, it's, it's a monster in itself. I would say. Yeah, yeah most definitely. <laughs> Finding help for your mental and emotional struggles can be challenging. With so many barriers like cost, and even feeling safe looking for a counselor can be tricky, so I know it's hard. And you know the worst part? You really don't have the time or mental space to be trying to figure out how to find a counselor when you're having personal struggles. So thanks to BetterHelp, they are built on making counseling accessible, affordable, convenient. 
so that anyone who's having struggles in their life can actually get the help they need at any time and anywhere, which is so important, especially now. All the professionals are licensed, trained, experienced, and accredited. And what I love so much about them is that they have a diverse group of counselors with a broad and various amounts of different backgrounds to help all their different clients. If you need some help, try BetterHelp. You can get a 10% off discount from your first month when you go to betterhelp.com forward slash do it. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com forward slash D-O-I-T. What is something that you're like super excited about or on the frontier of working with the Enneagram or going to next? What is something that's like excites you? Yeah. Well, so, I mean, so much of the work that I'm doing right now is with organizations and and I love that piece and that is like very exciting and it's been fun to even have some companies coming back again. You know, for the longest time it was, oh, we're doing all these one-off things and then even circling back of like, oh, wait, we actually talk about this all the time. Like this comes up in our staff meetings and there's more things to learn, right? Like, yes, again, coming back to me being a terrible salesman, I probably should have told them there's lots of things to learn. Um, but in that, it's been really like fun to have more continued relationships. So that feels like one piece of it, of um, continuing to, to almost help organizations move towards this being a corporate language, not in a like, we're going to write our Enneagram number on our door frame so that people know it underneath oh, our gosh. title. Um, but of like, no, this this comes up. And like when we give feedback or when we have hard conversations, um, we use this and we use it compassionately and we use it with genuine curiosity. Um, and so trying to find more and more ways to help people move towards that and, and inviting them in what could, what could be. The other side on the more personal is that I have a integrative somatic certification with regards to like being a trauma-informed practice, but also finishing a certification that is about helping people complete the stress cycle and um, all from a like somatic stress release is is the uh, title for the practitioner. And so I'm in the process of finishing it. I, I have, um, you know, mentoring sessions and, and some of those follow-up pieces outside the coursework that I'm still working on. But there is such an overlap between the Enneagram and somatic work, as we've talked about. But sometimes it feels like I'm trying to describe two really big worlds. And so unless you know them, or at least know one of the worlds, either you know the Enneagram or you know somatic, and I'm just inviting you into the other one, sometimes it just feels like a mouthful, like even trying to give an elevator pitch of what I could help <laughs> you with. I'm like, oh True. gosh, please just trust me enough to come into the coaching space with me. And so anyways, moving towards the the integration of those two, and, and some of that might just be really simple in the way that I, I promote and advertise and communicate, and it, it might be more robust in a class or things like that. But, um, but I haven't gotten to the space where I've been able to fully daydream about it because of life and and moving and all of those things. But anyways, those are things that are kind of on the horizon and really finding people that are in those spaces to work with too, right? Even if it's just a moment of collaboration because our paths cross and then we separate again, that's okay too. But yeah, those are kind of some of the things in my mind as I'm looking forward. So I want to I wanna ask a question about, I have a friend who, who's on the podcast a couple of episodes, probably before this one drops because... Uh, none of these have been dropped, but <laughs> but they mentioned what you just said, talking about completing the stress cycle. And so can you kind of explain what that 
is or what that looks like mm-hmm. um, for the audience? Yeah. So when we think about one of the things that my teacher, Dr. Scott Lyons, will say is like stress gets a bad rap. Um, and I'm like, yeah, it does. Right. It's like ruining lives and causing people to quit jobs and whatever. But the reality is stress is just stimuli that is coming in. And then we have a stress response, which is how we respond to that stimuli coming in. And so there's nothing wrong with stress and there's nothing wrong with our stress response. It's actually a really intricate and beautiful response that's wired in us. But the problem is, is that we don't always go through the full response. We get stuck. And it's almost like, you know, if we're like going through the tunnel, we get stuck in the tunnel. And then it's like, oh, crap. Now I don't know how to get out. And I don't know if I should go back or if I should just eat a box of donuts or watch Netflix. Like it's horrible in here. And so in that, it's helping people move through that that cycle. And there are some basic things that you can do. So like if you Google how to help with stress, you're going to see some basic things like like exercise, right? Or some of these things that they kind of have a somatic bent to them because they're physical, they're in the body, but they are generic. It's almost like when we give like hallmark advice to a very specific problem, that's what exercise is to somatic, um, the somatic stress response. There are very specific things that you can do and in a very specific moment, not just like, okay, here's Milton's list of things he should always do, but like in this actual moment, as I am with you, there's very specific things that we can do to help you move through that stress response and and complete that cycle. And so it has a lot to do with noticing what's going on in the body in some way creating support for that. So sometimes that's just an awareness of it, right? It's amazing how many times we say like, oh, I feel like a tightness in my chest. And then as soon as we say that, it dissipates because all it needed was for us to acknowledge it and and to know like, I'm incredibly sad and this is a hard season and there's a lot going on, right? That's all that it needed. But sometimes it's not as simple as that. Sometimes it needs more support. And so there's different things that we can do to give support to that. Um, There's different things that we can do to to, um, discharge a sensation. Um, Sometimes it can look cathartic, like, you know, punching a pillow or um, like screaming. But sometimes it's very silent and very or very quiet, like just making, um, you know, quiet movements, very subtle, silent movements. Um, but it is really in a lot of different ways, helping to get your body through the stress response cycle so that you get back to a place where you're okay. Cause it's almost like you get stuck in the space of I'm not okay. And you might trick yourself, especially depending on your Enneagram type, you might trick yourself into like, it's no big deal. I'm tough. I can handle this. Other people have it worse than me. I shouldn't be complaining, right? All these things that we tell ourselves. And so instead for us to actually go through what is, what's the stimuli that's trapped in our body and how do we communicate to our body that we're actually okay? Um, And there's lots of different ways that you can do that. And so part of what um, that certification is and trying to figure out like how do we combine that with Enneagram, but is, is really helping someone go through the stress response cycle. And so I will simply ask like, you know, bring to mind a concern or something that you're worried about or stress that you have. I do it more gently than I just said it right there. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. <laughs> but, then, but then seeing where it shows up in your body. And even for people that are like, this feels so different than what I know, or I don't know that I have any sense of my body. It's amazing how quickly they can sense like, oh gosh, like there's like a rigidity in my jawline. And like, I've never noticed that. Or like, gosh, there's like so much pressure behind my eyes, but I don't know that I'm going to cry, but it feels like I might. Right. And so just slowing down enough to notice some of those things. And there's very practical things we can do to provide support for that, that to move through. It's not like we're trying to fix it or, um, you know, like, 
like numb it right with making things feel good but instead giving it support so that it moves through your system and your system gets back to this sense of like oh I'm actually okay like nothing's chasing me nothing's coming after me like I I'm okay now and the more that you go through that process that stress response cycle the more your body intuitively knows how to do it without a practitioner sitting with you but like everything else it takes practice right your body doesn't know how to do that because we didn't learn that with the abcs in our colors um no one taught us how to do that true so what happened first of all i want to say i align so well with everything you just said in the somatic work that i do oh my goodness i was like yes teach teach keep sharing keep sharing so what happens when a person doesn't go through the stress response what happens to that person's body and what's going on yeah so you know it's interesting because i think that when you look at um some of the like defense mechanisms and when you overlay those across the nine types i feel like there's a lot of overlap that you see like even like the dissociating and in, in some of those pieces or um even like the high reactivity right so anyways there's a lot there but on the other side of it um you i mean people will talk about the you know the fight flight freeze faint fawn response and i think that that's fine language you know the language that we would talk through with uh the um like that school of thought is having a lot to do with your nervous system so you know your sympathetic nervous system your uh, ventral and vagal nervous system and so just these different parts of i am hyper aroused and everything feels scary and doesn't feel safe and it feels like something is chasing me so that shortness of breath that tunnel vision this this feeling of like i'm not okay the racing thoughts and maybe even looping thoughts for um, people when they kind of fall into that that dorsal it's the like the numb like the despair the this will never be better and so it can look really quiet and and kind of normal functioning because they're not yelling at people and they're not punching walls but they're very disconnected from their experience and have kind of given up and and it doesn't have to be as far into that as what we would name as depression it can just be like yeah and as soon as i get home like i have to drink wine and escape into a book because i couldn't face my next work day without it right it can be these things that are very socially acceptable but it's the context of like well why are you doing that and it's a very numbing activity for you in a way that it wasn't for someone else it was a very restful leisure activity for them um and so it can take lots of different forms but but we see it show up in these different ways um, and there is a lot of overlap with the types too mm-hmm. i love that and i think i think something that's important to note because it puts us in these patterns that are unhealthy a lot of times when we aren't able to move through that stress cycle completely and i think it's so important the work that somatic practitioners are doing is that like we really start to like people who are listening first of all but people really start to look into okay maybe there's some things going on and i can promise you there are um our body keeps the score of everything that's happened in our lives even if we don't remember those things mentally it has it's it's kept it all and so there's always things there so I, i definitely encourage people who are listening to seek out somatic practitioners Abby being one of them, mm-hmm. right? Who's doing the work uh, and very serious about it. And so, cause those things are, when you talk about like relieving, like true healing, when I say to me, healing, relieving, becoming more compassionate, more empathetic uh, for yourself and moving, like moving through things, I would say coming to a deeper honesty within yourself, but loving that part of you, right? And yeah. so like, I think those things happen when we actually work with the somatics. Mm -hmm. And so it's super powerful. And I I brought it up 
I had an experience. You, you're narrative trained, so Helen Palmer. Yeah. I was at I was in Oakland about four or five years ago at a conference, and uh, Helen Palmer had us doing in and down breathing for like I swear forty minutes in this like forty degree room. It was extra cold, and I my I was like, okay, are we gonna do something else? Because I <laughs> am frustrated, <laughs> but I'm I'm cold. I'm like frustrated, frustrated, but you know I'm cold. Yeah. And, You're uh, so press cold. <laughs> oh, yes. So I'm doing that 40 minute. I go over to eat at this restaurant. This guy who is, um, he's having a bad day, as I'm going to say. He was like, the restaurant beside us, he had broke something. He had slammed something. Something mentally was off. I mean, like mentally different or, or whatever. Or it's just a bad day. I don't know what was yeah. going on. I can't say that. But he thought that I was going to call the cops some reason because I looked at my watch, came over, it was saying something crazy and immediately I was like inside of myself I just remember being so I was, two things happened one I was doing the in and down breathing for 40 minutes which really got me in touch with my my deeper self which I didn't realize because I, this is the first time I ever done it like that like it's the first mm -hmm. time and I had two friends with me two two female friends with me and so I naturally me personally I feel very protective like mm -hmm. I was like he better not put his hands on one of them right so one side of me is extremely angry and like ready to do what i need to do to physically handle this guy but the other side of me is completely compassionate and empathetic because i'm like man this could be me if like all the bad things happen to him and so i had this roaring part of me that was like going crazy on the inside and i responded in a way that defused the situation apparently it was very strong but it was very firm mm -hmm. and i i guess i didn't make him aggressive or whatever mm -hmm. but after that one of, one of my friends, she gave me a hug, and I was like, I really didn't. I really, like personally inside, I was like I really didn't want this hug. Like I don't need this hug, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like inside, you know. Um, and then one of the guys from EPP Enneagram Prison Project gave me like a sticker. Like he was like, I'm pretty sure he had been in prison before. He like gave me this like sticker that had EPP on it, and he was like, Good job. That could be any of us on the back. I was like, Oh my goodness, what's going on? So tracking back to what you're talking about, the actual completing the stress cycle. I got back to my Oakland Airbnb and I sobbed mm. and I'm an ugly crier. I sobbed mm -hmm. and I was like, what is happening to me? Yeah. My friend who was telling me about it and um, she was like, you were completing the stress cycle for yourself mm -hmm. because I had never felt that immense. I had never been in touch with both sides of those emotions at such a high level. Yeah. It, it, I don't. I didn't know what to do, mm -hmm. and so I just sobbed—the ugliest sob probably in the world. But I sobbed, and mm -hmm. you know, tears are barely coming out because, you know, I have to work. I had to work on it, right? Mm -hmm. Seven, self-raised seven. I had to learn how to cry. Like, <laughs> like yeah, for real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think even in that moment, you know, thinking about that and how important that was, and also knowing, you know, there are so many moments where we swallow our tears. Like we just fight them back. We we do what we need to do, whether that's think about something really funny to distract ourselves or will ourselves to not cry. And so how important it was that you needed that because it was such a reaction and you had enough probably like calm and support in that in that space that you were to cry and it feel okay. Whether that was privacy or just feeling like I'm in a supportive community while I'm with an Anagram, whatever it might be. 
But we have moments like that for some people every day where we never allow ourselves to have that response, whether that is crying or running away to protect ourselves or or fighting back, right? Not actually physically fighting back, but some of these things where it's like we didn't get to because we, we were silenced based off of where we were and what was socially appropriate in that space because we didn't want to lose our jobs or look bad in front of other, you know, moms and dads. We didn't want to we wanted to look like a good, you know, whatever, like good Christian in our worship community, whatever it might be. Um, right. And so we just, we don't allow that response to happen, even when our body intuitively knows that it wants to. Um, and so then it just gets stuck. It just stays there. And it shows up with this tension in our shoulders. And, you know, I feel like all the time, ones always have like jaw problems, right? That like yep. the, and so it's just, it stays there because you are, it's not going anywhere. You just didn't allow it to release. And it's not your fault. Your type's trying to help you. They're trying to be yep. appropriate, trying to be the nice guy, the funny guy, the strong person, the successful one, the whatever. But it, you're going to hit a wall eventually, and then you'll quit your job or quit your family or you will self-medicate or use whatever to numb. And that's not what was intended for you. Yeah, I I have this crazy idea that popped in my head as you're speaking because I'm I'm finding this overlap of Enneagram um, practitioners and somatic working practitioners. So I'm having this big idea that I'll share if if I like if it comes to enough fruition up here and I have like the capacity we all do that I want to do something that is Enneagram somatic based with like individuals like you and there's a couple more I know mm-hmm. we could do this big because it's so important and I think we could like make some very gravity earth shattering moving things that are important so just popped in my head yeah i love everything you're saying (laughs) yes yes um i'll do it for the gram um (laughs) so so how can people um reach or find your resources and and you because Mm -hmm. you have a wealth of information wealth of knowledge uh and i and i personally believe that you are doing great work out there with the enneagram Mm -hmm. and everything you do so how can they contact you and get in Yeah. Well, thanks for asking. So, um, you know, an easy way to contact me is um, just through my website. So abbyrodriguez.com and I spell Abby, A-B-B-I. And there's a thousand ways to spell Abby. That's my version of it. And so, and then that gives you space to email me if you're having a question about something or wanting to schedule a workshop for your group and we can we can hop on a consultation call. Sometimes people have the question of like, I feel like my version of what I know to be the Enneagram does not feel like it'll fly well in my organization. And I promise you I can make it fly well in your organization. Even if it feels like people never have serious conversations or never talk to each other, I promise I can make it happen and it'll be awesome. So connect with me and we'll figure it out. But outside of that too, if you just want to to learn and see what's going on, my Instagram is a great space for that. So it's Enneagram space. And I have a, like a free instinct indicator on there that if you're not sure what your instinctual stacking is and there's a um, Enneagram indicator to help you kind of narrow down what your top two to three most likely types are. So those are good resources, especially if you are really interested in the Enneagram and you want everyone else in your life to be really interested in, in the Enneagram, you can send them those things and, and that feels like an easy in just taking a test and then you can talk to them about it. So those are some of the spaces that you can find me. Um, and I also have a, a podcast that hasn't been as updated recently because I, you know, just take a break in the summer, but it's uh, Enneagram Coaching with Abby Rodriguez and, um, and it's wherever podcasts are found. So um, you can find me there too. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for being on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having yes. me. It's fun to connect. It's you know, it's been a while since we've physically been in the same space together. So it's good to Very be Very true. Yeah. Good to be in conversation. Very true.
So thank you so much. So the all of everything, everything that Abby is saying will be in the show notes. So you can find it, link to it, connect with her. She's doing amazing things in the community of the Enneagram. Thank you all for listening. So if you feel yourself getting a little bit triggered, the body's feeling a little bit tense and anxious, maybe check in with what's going on in the body. Maybe take a deep breath. Maybe find some different resources that can help you manage maybe what's going on in the body so you can honor that part of your body. And hopefully, obviously get a somatic practice. If, if definitely if you can but hopefully you can work to allow that stress cycle to complete some so that you can move forward and so make sure you're doing a little bit of that we encourage that take a deep breath and do it for the enneagram okay all right we'll see you in the next episode have a wonderful day bye <laughs>